Jaguars are going to go to LA and they are going to face Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. They are terrors on the edge, right? They are what Josh Adams and Trayvon Walker hope to be. What, what Josh, Josh Adams and Trayvon Walker hope to be. Josh Adams, Josh, 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 Josh Adams, 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 Adams. Josh Adams. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Drunken Jaguar. SB Nation and Big Cat Country Podcast. This is Bentley Brown. I'm joined on the call by co-host Asad Hassan. We had a, I would call it kind of a messy episode <laughs> last week. We were both on the road recording in cars and, and uh, yeah, kind of lacked in the area of sound quality, but glad to be back this week on the call together. Asad, have you recovered from both the wedding and this crazy week of football. Oh, well, hello, Bentley. I do not, I do not know. Honestly, it's, it's been, it's been a roller coaster. I went to a concert last night too. It's been a whole whirlwind of the last, you know, four or five days. So it's been crazy. And with the, with the Jags game on Sunday, I, I couldn't be happier. You know, I could not be happier, especially with how the Jags played and just a crazy week in the NFL overall. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that crazy week, I, I my take is that the my understanding is that the Jags game kind of got drowned out and all the other stuff that was going on. It was like the if you watch any recap of Sunday's games, it was something like, you know, look at all these teams that had massive comebacks to win their games against all odds. And then, oh, yeah, and the Jaguars shut off the Colts 24 nothing. Does that, does that feel right with you? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way because I was like, you know, watching NFL Network Sunday night and I, I turned on Sports Center and they're, you know, they give the Jags a little 20 seconds of shine and then threw them in the graphic, you know, on Twitter and stuff with, you know, the Jets, Jags and Giants and another really, the Lions haven't won in so many years together. So it just feels like they did get drowned out, which is fine. It's early in the year and there was some crazy games like how the Jets won it was it was insane and then you know in Tampa you had the whole Mike Evans thing the Giants are 2-0 and the Lions look like that they're going to the Super Bowl I don't know man just a, a crazy week so yes I do think the Jags got kind of drowned out but that's all right I think if you know this week if we come out and beat the Chargers it, it'll be a different story yeah, this this uh, Jaguars week was just ideal in so many ways, and it's kind of like if they don't wind up shedding too much light on the win, then in an odd way, it kind of normalizes the win for the team. You know, like it's I mean I know Jaguars social media accounts, like the team's account, is going ape shit, You know, trying to think of the next new meme every thirty minutes these days, but. But overall, the Jaguars' win was honestly kind of like looked over. And in a way, it's just with all these other teams pulling their upsets, it was like the Jaguars' win wasn't that big of a deal. And I kind of like it. And like, meanwhile, people are slipping the, the the Jaguars up in their power rankings to like, you know, the, the lower 20s. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the upper the upper teens. Um, Jaguars are, as we all know by now, atop of the a AFC South. Um, alone at the top of the AFC South, even with their one and one 
record, and everybody's everybody's seen some version of that in the last few days. But yeah, they were drowned out by Joe Flacco, <laughs> who's in for an injured Zach Wilson. Is Zach, Zach Wilson still out for like another three weeks? Does that sound right? I believe so, but man, is Joe Flacco going to play the rest of the season? I, I wouldn't think so, but that was a crazy game. Yeah, kind of blown coverages. Nick Chubb. If I'm not mistaken, did Nick? I think Nick Chubb totally had a breakout, breakaway run like three years ago, and down the ball early to win a game against the Texans. And I, I, I thought like, wow, this guy gets it. Like, what a cool, what a smart move. Oh, and they win the game, right? And ironically, it is the very same Nick Chubb who, who like you can't blame him. Thought that he was putting the game away with two scores, two touchdowns. With just no time left, Patrick Mahomes maybe time left in the game against the Jets, and then yeah, here comes Joe Flacco working that Flacco magic. I, it's, I, I man, I thought Joe Flacco would be on top of Tom Brady for oldest starter to win a game here. You know, it was just crazy. I mean, and right before that, you you see Zerline, you know, he had a fifty-seven yarder, and then. Yeah, it's the Nick Chubb run that really did it. He didn't go down. But still, you can't let the Jets score two touchdowns in, I don't even know how, it was a minute 22 they scored the Corey Davis touchdown. Then they got the onside kick. But that can't happen. There's less than two minutes left. There's a blown coverage. And then they get the onside kick. And then you let them score again. It was just yeah. madness. They had no timeouts either. Insanity. And that that's not the only comeback that was crazy like that. We've got... The Cardinals. You, were you watching that game live? I was watching the Cardinals game live, and it was insane. Oh, wow. What was that like? Oh, man. It was. It looked like just Kyler Murray was just running around. You know, I was actually getting lunch in the first half, so I watched, like, the whole second half. And I was listening to, like, uh, betting talk radio, and they're like, yeah, the Raiders are at live 17.5-point favorites, and I just don't <laughs> see the Cardinals even scoring. Like, the Cardinals are just done. They are gone, and everyone has been down on the Cardinals from the start of the season. And – I don't know what happened. It was to Kyler. It was Kyler was a magician out there. And I'm really not a big Kyler Murray fan, but watching him that game, he was incredible. And his a lot of his guys were not helping him out either. Like AJ Green had a bunch of drop balls and he was just making it happen all by himself. The defense stood up and then the Raiders, the Raiders couldn't even move the ball. They didn't even touch the ball like most of the second half it seemed like. It, I I just couldn't believe it. It looked like the Cardinals just had the ball the whole time in the second half. Yeah, against all odds, right? Like Madden, Madden level craziness, uh, rolling the dice. A lot of people were talking about how Kyler Murray was just play, basically playing backyard football at a point. I mean, you know, that you have to get, you have to convert on the two point conversion, and no one's open. So what do you do? Eventually, you just gotta uh, run it in yourself, right? And like that one play where he was, he was, the play lasted twenty four seconds or something. And he ran a cumulative 80-plus yards, <laughs> just scrambling back and forth, keeping the play alive, directing traffic, right? Pointing, pointing at least seven times, pointing to receivers to go this way and that way, and, and eventually just ran it in. Just just insane. It, it was really crazy. And that, that was, you know, I saw that play live, and I was like, what is going on here? How is this guy still up? He just, he, he makes defenders look silly. He's, he's just so elusive. He, he's so quick. Just, just an incredible game, and that could be that could really spark the Cardinals this year, I think, because they needed that win badly, and it was a great win. And how it ended, you know, in overtime was even crazier. You know, they gave the ball back to the Raiders, 
Renfro fumbles, they get it back. Renfro fumbles again, and they who can score? Just, just insane madness. Yep. And then you know, Kyler, Kyler's reputation is pretty much set. You know, we had the whole drama of whether or not he would leave the Cardinals over the offseason and stuff. And then we have another young quarterback who hasn't proven himself. And I'm talking about uh, someone who has attracted a, a vast, vast uh, array of divisive opinions on his career, including the whole, the whole two and on. Crowd, we've got Tua Tangovaloa over with the Dolphins having, I would argue, a game. Like, if it's possible to have one game that, when considered against your whole career, is the game that puts you in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think he just went from, is he a bust, to, like, Hall of Famer this, this last Sunday. Dolphins came back against the Ravens, also dramatic fashion, also blown coverages. Blown coverages slash... The immense speed of Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddle, to be honest, to a tossing for over 460 yards and six touchdowns. What the f***? What the f***? I'm not even a big Tua believer, and he proved me wrong, too. I guess those everyone, you know, I didn't believe him was proving me wrong here on Sunday. I mean, Lamar Jackson had an 80-yard run at the end of the third quarter, and it made it 35-14. I think everyone turned their televisions off that was watching that game. You know, like, it's over. It's over, right? And then the Dolphins, what did they scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, I believe, which is just insane. I just, I just couldn't believe it. And then Tyreek Hill just starts going off. And Jalen Waddle, this guy is the truth. He was targeted 19 times. 19. Some guys don't get targeted 19 times in a whole season, I feel like, you know? And this is just, it's just insane. He had 171. Tyreek Hill had 190. Those, those numbers are. They, they don't even make sense, Bentley. They, they really don't make sense. How do you have two receivers almost combined for 400 yards? It does not make sense. There's so much to talk about, you know, around the league. And, and these are these are kind of this, the main the main games here that we've we've covered. But I do want to ask you, you know, what what, in your opinion, has reshuffled for the NFL this week? I, I'm sure you talked about how people proving you wrong left and right. You know, are the Dolphins a Super Bowl contender, for example? Are, are there some bottom feeding teams, the Lions, maybe, maybe even the Jets, you know, that we're going to expect a playoff run from what, what has, what has changed for you this week? I don't know. It just, for me, it feels like everyone has their guy at, at quarterback. You know, most teams do, you know, it's, it feels like 20, 28, you know, 27 teams have their guy or they have one waiting, you know, ready to play. We, we saw Trey Lance got hurt, which was very unfortunate, but you know, Jimmy G has been there before and a lot of Niners fans kind of wanted him to be the guy anyways it just feels like everyone has their quarterback everyone's ready to go I know some teams you know they're dealing with injuries and stuff but everyone has their guy and everyone is competitive like you do not know what you're gonna get and I know we say this every year with the NFL but you really don't know what you're gonna get like the Lions are putting up 30 points both weeks and the Bengals who just went to the Super Bowl they're 0-2 they lost to the Cowboys playing with Cooper Rush, who's now two and zero. I don't know. It's it's just it's just crazy, man. It just seems like a, you know the young guys are coming in and taking over the league and receivers now. Some of these receivers are just insane when they come out of college. We've seen Jalen Waddle, we've seen Justin Jefferson, we've seen Jamar Chase. Like these guys come out and they are ready to play. And I I think I was wrong. I think the Jaguars might have their wide receiver one. So I'm going to have to take that. All right. Well, we can use that as a chance to segue over to the Jaguars game. But I just, I just want to add, if, if uh, September 12th was overreaction Monday in the NFL, 
then September 19th was WTF Monday and and what a what a week it was. The Jaguars game, right? So this is the game one one of the games that kind of just got ignored with all the other things going around the NFL, but this is also depending on your point of view, who was it Sam Munson with PFF said that you know the Jaguars have a hex on the Colts for for no known reason. And this is their, if I'm not mistaken, their eighth consecutive home win against the Colts, the seventh consecutive actually in Jacksonville, one of those being in London, and their third shutout in fairly recent history against the Colts. They shut them out in 2017 and 2018, and again this year in 2022, 24 to nothing. And basically the Jaguars dominated on all aspects of the field. They're playing complementary football forcing turnovers uh, early, getting the turnovers late when the Colts get desperate. I feel like that, you know, by the fourth quarter, it was already 24 nothing, which would be the final score. And at this point, it was just almost like for fun, can we pull off a shutout, right? And the Jaguars' offense was, wasn't amazing in the fourth quarter. They didn't score anything. And the defense was just still coming out there, possession after possession, wreaking havoc on poor Matt Ryan and the Colts. And, you know, I don't think the Jaguars had to do much uh, in the fourth quarter. I think they were just trying to hold on to the lead and not, you know, pull, pull a Jaguar move. I mean, we've seen some crazy comebacks here in the fourth quarter, especially on this week. We would later find out, right? So the Colts could have been one of them. And we saw the Colts come back from 17 last week against Houston. So I think the Jags were just playing it safe, you know, trying to control the clock, run the ball, punt it away, and make the Colts go on long drives, which they did. And then at the end, they would you know, stop them and not let them in the end zone. So I'm not really concerned about the fourth quarter, really. I think it was fine. I think uh, Doug Peterson played it perfectly. But speaking of Doug Peterson, how about that for a game plan? My goodness, this is a perfect game plan against, you know, his old buddy, Frank Reich. They come out firing. They ran the ball. James Robinson's touching the football a lot, which I love to see. You know, he didn't really have that productive of a day, but he did have that one breakout run where he looked not that fast, but he still got in there. I really liked the game plan. I thought Trevor Lawrence got the ball out really quickly, and I think that's what Doug Peterson wanted, which I really like to see, you know, quick routes. And doesn't it just seem like, you know, last year no one could get open? You know, you see Trevor Lawrence throw a ball and the guys are draped. This year it looks like everyone's open, you know. Guys are just running free out there, and you love to see it. Yeah, they're getting separation. Okay, so here, here, let me go through the box score here, and I do have a question regarding Trevor Lawrence, and you were also talking about Christian Kirk as well a second ago. So let's let's talk about the offense then. If you look at the box score, Trevor Lawrence completed 25 of 30 passes for 235 yards, two TDs, zero interceptions on the day, and he wasn't even sacked. Going to rushing for a second, uh, James Robinson, as you mentioned, had 23 carries for a total of 64 yards. Now, that does include that long of 37 for the touchdown. Now this, this, I would argue, honestly, the Colts really shut Robinson down other than that breakaway run. But like you mentioned, yes, he's getting a lot of carries. Uh, ATN, nine carries for 20 yards, not productive. These, neither one, nowhere near their yards per rush average of the previous week. And then in receiving though, it's, it's kind of like last week. It's this really evenly distributed, you know, a, as you would have drawn it up kind of numbers so Christian Kirk six catches for 78 yards great average yards per catch there for two touchdowns Evan Ingram 
seven receptions on eight targets for 46 yards. You know, Marvin Jones, Travis Etienne, Zay Jones all have three catches. And then Dan Arnold had a, a pretty pretty intense catch for eight eight yards. But the, the ball's being distributed there really, really well. And then Agnew's got a target, but no catch. Was that, I think that was at the end zone? That was uh, a ball like, he should have caught. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, it was a great throw. Yeah, he, he has to make that play. So my question for you, though, and, and, you know, a lot of people are talking about how Trevor Lawrence responded from last week's game. Who was it? <laughs> Tony Baselli or someone saying that, you know, he's, he's growing in front of our eyes <laughs> right now. But is he really that different than last week? I mean, yes, he had a lot higher accuracy this week, but wasn't it a lot of it just dinking and dunking and kind of like this just really successfully executed game plan by Doug Peterson? Yes, I mean, it's it's a mix of both. But he, he got the ball out quickly, which he's got to learn to do because a lot of quarterbacks, you know, their knock is coming out of college, they get so much protection and they have so much time, they, they can just hold on to the ball. But to be able to make quick, decisive decisions, it's very important in the NFL. And a lot of quarterbacks need to learn how to do that. And it does open up the deep shot later in the game, which I believe, you know, we had a couple, we just didn't execute, which is fine. I thought he played great. I also thought he he tried to run the ball a little bit. You know, when the pocket collapsed, I feel like he got through his reads this game. He looked like a different guy. He looked very, very comfortable, which I feel like he looked a little bit uncomfortable last week. He, I mean, he's trending up. We, we know that. But, yes, I I think he, he's the guy. I think he's him. And he's okay. so much better than Mac Jones. I'm, I was so sick seeing Mac Jones in the NFL Top 100. I'm like, this guy's not even good. Come on. Okay, so and then what about uh, Christian Kirk? What's your what's your latest take on him? Well, he sure does look like a wide receiver one. Man, like this guy, I did not think he had it in him, and I, I loved him after the game, saying, you know, I I did it for two games, but I'm trying to do this for 17 games. You know, he seems like he's really out to prove the haters wrong that he got paid so much and he hadn't even proved anything and reset the wide receiver market a little bit, but he is showing what he's made of. He's showing why he got paid. I love to see it. I think, I mean, I can't wait till we see a couple of deep shots to him. That's what I'm really looking for. Cause that's what he was known for in Arizona. So Christian Kirk right now, he looks like wide receiver one and the numbers don't lie. So until, until we see differently, I mean, he, he's he's that guy, and he's he's trending upwards. All right, so maybe we can shift focus to the defense here for a second. Nothing really to say when you shut out a team. <laughs> Cisco had six tackles, as well as Devin Lloyd, both both uh, tied for the lead for six tackles on the day for the Jaguars' defense. Aluakun and Shaq Griffin each had four tackles. Roy Robinson-Harris... Tyson Campbell, Josh Allen, Rayshon Jenkins, Chad Muma all had three tackles, and then the list goes on from there. We had three interceptions, three picks. Rayshon's was the first one. Is that right? And then Devin Lloyd and Cisco picked off Matt Ryan uh, later on in the game when, when the Colts were getting increasingly desperate. I personally see this as something like an affirmation game for Rayshon Jenkins. I think that he had one of his most solid performances ever as a Jaguar today. Really dominant in the say in the in the secondary, as well as a kind of a coming out game. Although you know he's had good performances in the past for Andre Cisco, and I, I just loved it when Cisco was 
was there encouraging guys uh, after pass breakups, after near picks, you know, after Devin Lloyd's interception. Cisco is one of the first guys there, patting them on the back, hyping them up, and then he gets a pick of his own towards the end of the game. So I was, I was really happy for those guys in particular. Yeah, we've had a lot of questions about the safety group, and they looked pretty damn good. The corners even looked good. I thought Tyson Campbell played a pretty good game. Shaq Griffin was okay. Darius Williams, I didn't even recognize him out there. But the safeties were impressive, and I agree. Rayshon Jenkins, that probably was his best game as a Jaguar. The defense was just so good up front. We won in the trenches, I'll tell you that much. And I, f- I forgot to mention this. The offensive line was fantastic on Sunday. They were great. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't getting any heat on him. He wasn't getting touched, man. He had all day. Even when he held on to the ball, he had all day. But the defensive line was very, very, very impressive. They're winning the middle. You know, they're winning on the edges. You know, there's some stunts. I was, I was seeing Josh Allen on some stunts, and he, he was getting to the quarterback and – I think I was right about Josh Allen's breakout year. I, th- I think it, this is it because this guy looks fantastic right now. Roy Robertson Harris, he he was incredible. Devin Lloyd, Devin Lloyd, I, I was telling you, man, this this guy's the truth. He and he should have had another interception in the red zone where he almost uh, snagged one with one hand on Matt Ryan. You know, his other interception was kind of yeah, I would call it a little fluky. I believe it was like a tip ball, but. He's playing good football, man, and this defense, this defense looks looks pretty good. And at times, you know, they they looked really bad against Washington, but in the second half, they straightened things out and they looked a lot better. So, the real test is this week, though, right? You know, if Justin Herbert does end up playing, can we keep up with the Chargers? You know, can the pass rush get there? Because we're gonna have to, because those corners are gonna have their hands full, and so are the safeties. Yeah, you mentioned Roy Robertson-Harris, who had a huge day. He had a sack. Uh, Josh Allen had two sacks. Adam Gotsis recorded a sack as well. And Arden Key, our free agent signing uh, over the offseason this year, had a sack. And we just we we were pressuring very efficiently. And you're right. I mean, Josh Allen seems to have sort of been been un- unleashed again now that he has support on the other side. You know, Trevon Walker did not register a sack this week, but was providing pressure at some key moments and it's really exciting stuff there are you not confident enough to say that our defensive line is enough to really put pressure on justin herbert this week if he plays and make a difference in the game i mean i would like to think so they they just didn't look excellent against washington and it is a week-to-week league so we'll see what happens i just know josh allen's playing great football Uh, did you see chase on out there very much i wonder how many snaps he took I don't remember seeing him very much. He had a tackle, so, <laughs> so he played. I was going to say, I don't even remember seeing him. But, I, you know, your back end still has to hold up at the end of the day. But I think the corners have have played pretty solid. And if this defense can play just, you know, not that great, because what they, what they did on Sunday was r- remarkable. But if they can play good football, this offense looks like they can move the ball down the field consistently. Is it too early to say this team looks like, you know, they could actually we're going to be playing meaningful football when when Thanksgiving rolls around? I really I really hope so. I really hope so. And our turnovers alone have been a thrill to watch. I do have. Hey, man, we're too early in the season to really say this, but but I'm, I'm getting excitement watching the Jaguars defense go on the field, which I haven't had that since 2017. Just this fact, this feeling that if they're determined enough, they might, they literally might get a turnover at any point. And it's been awesome. We're up at the top of the league in turnover ratio right now after an abysmal season with turnovers last year. Yep. And if you win that turnover battle, there's, 
there's a good chance you're going to win the football game. That's just that's how football works. Yeah, I, as we look ahead towards the Chargers, I mean, one of the adjustments, I think maybe Mike DiRocco was talking about it, but is Etienne actually not getting enough touches or Etienne kind of not feeling as useful as we had hoped and particularly touches, I'm sorry, man, in terms of like receiving, like some passes designed for him and things like that. Cause you know, we talked about how he, he does look a little small. Right. And I felt you know, every time, he, every time he got tackled on Sunday, I, I had to hold my breath a bit because it looks like he took a beating. And I, I just don't know if that's the most effective way to use him. You know, do you, do you think that are we going to react in a way to where we, redesign the the game plan a little bit to involve ATN in the air? I mean, or in some way, I feel like he wasn't out on the field. They, sh- I felt like they should have gave him some rushing attempts there late in the game. You just saw James Robinson out there the whole time. I mean, 23 carries uh, versus nine. That's, that's a pretty big difference there. 23 carries is a lot. I know ATN looks small, but... We, we got to try to get this guy, you know, in space, try try some tosses, uh, run more screens, yeah, line him up in the slot and just have him go dragging across the field. Hopefully he gets a linebacker on him. Yeah, he's going to have to adjust to the game and, you know, maybe put on put on some pounds because he does look very little. But we know he, he is quick. He's fast. So we need to get him in space. But I don't see the game plan adjusting too much. What What, what are you nervous about as we face the – chargers this sunday well it kind of depends you know if if justin herbert plays of course uh the chargers defense you know they picked up a lot of guys too i believe they have jc jackson now they have khalil mack and bose on the edges so i think the offensive line is really going to have their hands full so it's going to really come down to them and if the jag the jaguars might have to win a shootout which would be very reassuring i think as a fan if they could beat the chargers in the shootout you have to go toe-to-toe with some of these great quarterbacks. A Lawrence-Herbert matchup is what a lot of people want to see. But I don't know if Justin Herbert will be playing. If he doesn't, then the Jaguars have to win this game if Herbert doesn't play. I know that much. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, momentum, Jaguars have the advantage here. I mean, the the Chargers, I mean, Herbert, God, I, I, like it hurt me watching. It was like one of those games where you're like, ah, do I really, uh, you know, I enjoy watching football. Do I endorse it? <laughs> you know, I mean, he got the shit beat out. I mean, it landed on really hard against the Chiefs on, during this past Thursday night football game. He was in excruciating pain, and were, were it not for a couple big throws, he was able to muster up some magnificent throws to bring the Chargers almost back to to, to beating the Chiefs. I, I was kind of, I was a little scared. You know, he he was he wasn't even able to like do a full throwing motion. Otherwise, I mean, the guy was out there completely exposed and in, in huge pain. So I don't, I mean, I don't even know for his own sake. I mean, how the, does he, does he come back against us on Sunday? It would probably be smart if he doesn't. We know their whole situation with the, you know, the, the trainer, the medical examiner, whoever it was, you know, he got sued by Tyra Taylor. because Tyra Taylor probably shouldn't have been coming back as soon as he did. So if Herbert comes back and something happens to him, it's, it's going to be a lot of bad press on the Chargers. And, I mean, Justin Herbert's your future. you got, you got to take care of that guy. And this would be a game you probably want to go ahead and sit him out. You know, they're at home. It's hard for an East Coast team traveling all the way west. So, I mean, they have the advantage. I would sit him out. Me too. Me too. <laughs> As a Jaguars fan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Man, well, what a what a crazy week of football. Anything else on your mind before we wrap today? Yeah, so I got a note. Someone actually sent me this this morning. Um, it's from NFL Research here. It says Trevor Lawrence is 0-9 on the road. He will try to get his first road win Sunday against the Chargers, the only quarterback to lose his first nine road starts and then win his 10th. Peyton Manning, who beat the Chargers in week three of his second season. Wow. Wow. Well, hopefully it's the dawn of a new stat category there. Yep. So, I don't know. I, I like the Jags in this game. Uh, I think if Herbert plays, then I don't like the Jags in this game. But I think they can still keep it close. I mean, I said before the season started that the Chargers would blow the Jags out. So, I'm going to take that back. I think it'll be a, a little closer. But if Herbert doesn't play, we, the Jags have to win this game. They absolutely have to. Yeah, I think both ways. I'm looking forward to the game. I think we were in the right spot in terms of team chemistry, m- momentum. The, giving the coach the game ball after the Colts on Sunday. Big congrats. First win in Jacksonville. Just some hilarious stuff going on here. I'm super pumped for it. And and everybody's mind seems in the right place. You know, a lot of players are coming out and saying, hey, it's not it's not enough that we pulled off this win. We got to keep doing this week after week after week. And we, we we don't need to be overly confident and stuff. And these are these are this is great, man. These are good problems to have. And it's a very different space than when we started our one and fifteen season with a win against the Colts. We're we're in a really, really different position it feels like because we can see how we we easily lost the game against Washington the, the previous week and we can also start to kind of imagine yeah if we if we play even 75% of how we played against the Colts on Sunday how we could really go up against any team in the league any given Sunday so I'm excited for the game I think even if we do get a lesson taught to us by Justin Herbert that it's a, it's a it'd be a nice lesson at this time for for us to learn but i'm honestly i'm hoping that doesn't happen i'm hoping that we get what we want on sunday yep i agree it just feels like a, a young team and they're all buying it which which is just great to see all right man well thanks for joining us on this episode of the drunken jaguar as always you can find us on twitter at drunken jaguar we'll be back after next week's game to break down what happened and thank you Asad, for joining me man it's been great to have you on this call Of course, man. Go Jaguars. Let's get this win. Let's go JJs. (laughs) Oh, man. Did you see Tony Baselli and Josh Scobie are doing some charity event together? Are they? I did not see that. Uh, golfing. Oh, fuck. Josh Scobie and Tony Baselli versus Jerome Bettis and Ben Roethlisberger in like some charity golf event. What the fuck?
Why are they, how are they always doing these charity golf events? It's like I see these too much. <laughs> From the Florida Times Union, the bus will be warmed. So just drum Bettis. The bus will be warmed up, but it might not be enough to top a Jags twosome that will include the team's best ever golfer. What the f- <laughs> Okay. That's very odd. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.